All right, Shabbos say good morning, good morning, a good tovah. Hopefully everybody had a beautiful, uplifting, and meaningful Shabbos. Sorry if there was a ambiguity on the Daf Yomi message about, uh, about who was giving the shir this morning. The general call is, unless I say it's someone else explicitly with a name, an address, a social security number, it's, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. I'm sorry. For better or for, for, better or for worse. For better or for worse. All right, Shabbos shir today is dedicated by our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul. Jerry and Sarah Walaski in the Schusser of Hoshlima for their grandson, Zachary Dov Ben Peral Shira. We hope that he will have a complete and enduring refuah together with Kol Chole Yisrael. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Nancy and David Berkowitz, in celebration of their son Jonathan's recent engagement to Rachel Harris. Mazel tov, mazel tov, mazel tov. New couple should be zochet to go to the chuppah b'sha'at tova u'metzlachos. But with that, let us, let us begin. We have a great daf ahead of us today. So actually, we baruch Hashem, we made good, we made good ground. We covered good ground yesterday's daf. Today's daf is daf Zayin, seven. And we are picking up Amir Hashem on the last line of Vav Amud Beis. Amar Rava. Rava says as follows. So some more interesting cases regarding Kiddushin. Amar Rava, Tengmar Lalaploni, Ve'akadesh Lecha. This is an interesting case. <coughs> Rachel, Rachel says to Ruvain, Ruvain, you go ahead and give a mana. Mana is an amount of money, right? You give a mana to Shimon. Okay, following this, Rachel says, right, Tain mana laploni v'akadish l'cha. Right, so Rashi says, v'akadish l'cha, u'kishinas l'vo, amar le'yizkachi v'mikudashas v'apa gavdu l'amati anal yada. So Rachel says to Ruvain, give a mana to Shimon. And I'll become Mikudeshes to you. So Rashi fills in the blanks over here. And Rashi says what ends up happening is, Reuven gives it to Shimon. And after he gives it to Shimon, he says to her, Hare'at Mikudeshes li, right? Bimana shenasati l'shimon. What's the halacha? Mikudeshes. It works. Now why does it work? Midin arev. It works, I will say, from the basic, same basic mechanics of a guarantor. Now look at Rashi. Midin Arev. Arev mishtabid lamalva an yecholun lamod. I will say, what is an Arev? An Arev is a guarantor. So for example, Ruvain lends Shimon money. Am I not am I speaking? No. I'll speak closer. Sorry. <coughs> Ruvain, it's me. I'm sorry. Ruvain lends Shimon money. Ruvain lends Shimon money. And remember again, and Levi decides to go ahead and be a guarantor for the debt. Now I will say, guarantor becomes a guarantor even though what? Nothing is being given to him. Right? In other words, you could have a situation where a guarantor gets something, but really a person is created as a guarantor even though he has received nothing to be mashabed himself. So what do you see, what do you see from the din of an arev? What do you see from the din of an arev is, you could create a shibud. You could create... I'll use the shibud is, not, is probably not the right word, but you could go ahead and be mashabed yourself. You could, you could commit yourself to something even though you have not received any item, any item, even though you have not received any benefit. So I mean, there are, Arif, Lav, Afakad, Lomati, and all the other day. I'm going to read fast. Yaakov Ben Zakin made me uh, self conscious that I give this year to. He's, he's not used to listening to me at less than 1.5 speed. So I'm going to. Yeah, and I, I've heard, I, get that, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a conscious effort today. Thank you, Yaakov. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not Elo unless you're Mavayish, someone Barabim. You know, come on. It's uh, so you know, it says as follows. So, we did Arev. So, Arev, Lav, Afagav, Glomati, Anol, Yadeh, Kamashabit, Nafsheh. Both saying, Arev, a guarantor, a guarantor, commits himself to something even though he has received nothing tangible in return. So, Arev creates a paradigm for us that you could, cre- you could go ahead and commit yourself to something, right, based on a transaction, even though you are not the beneficiary of the transaction. So based on that, if Rachel says to Ruvain, I'm willing to be married to you if you give a mana to Shimon. If you give mana to Shimon. So that actually works to create Kiddushin, even though Rachel is not actually receiving anything, it works because it's based on the framework of Arev. Incredible. So the Gemara says, "Lomati anal yadah, come shabid nafshe. Ha'isa sanami, afa gav lomati anal yadah, come shabid umekayin nafsha." So this woman also, even though she hasn't received anything, right? There's no benefit, no tangible benefit coming her way, since ultimately, again, it works al arif. She's mishabid herself, and ultimately enters into marriage. Next case, heiluch money biskachi leploni. So I say, take a look at Rashi over here. Heiluch money biskachi leploni, b'hush lucho elo shemekachsha mishalo. So I will say this is an interesting case. Ruvain comes over to Rachel. And Ruvain says to Rachel, take this money and become married to Shimon. Become married to Shimon. 
So we'll say at first glance, it doesn't seem to be a very big deal because Lamaisa, Reuben is acting as Shimon's shliach. And we're going to see you could actually affect marriage through a shaliach. What's the wrinkle over here? The wrinkle over here, interestingly enough, is Reuben, the shaliach, ends up using his own money. That's what Rashi points out of the air. Heilach is kach the ploni for who shlucho. So Reuven is the shliach of Shimon. Ella shemekancha mishalo. But whereas in a typical case of shlichos, the shliach would be using the money of the baal of the soon to be husband. Here the shliach is using his own money. So what's talacha? So the Gemara says mikudashas. Ultimately, again, it works. Now, why does it work? Midin eved kinadi. Very interesting. It works based on the same mechanics of eved kinadi. What does this mean? Eved Kinani lav avagav delo kachaser velo midi kachani nafshe. There was an Eved Kinani, technically speaking, can go ahead, bless you, can go ahead and be emancipated, even though, again, he doesn't pay his way out, right? There are different ways that Eved Kinani gains his emancipation. He can become fully emancipated, thereby acquire himself without going ahead and losing any money. Look at Rashi for just a moment. So both sides, it's very interesting. So in Evid Kinani, again, let's, let's, let's assume right now the typical way that an Evid Kinani is, is emancipated is he buys his freedom. He buys his freedom. So we're going to learn later on that there's a concept that essentially, you know, you could, you, you could emancipate or you could pay the emancipation amount for an Evid Kinani. So now you can have a situation where an Evid Kinani acquires himself even though he has not been made deficient, i.e. he has not spent any of his own money. So there's a paradigm that exists where a person could acquire something, in this case themselves, without going ahead and using any of their own funds. Similarly, the Gemara says, So too, again, in this case, I will say the husband, Shimon, could acquire a wife, so to speak, even though what? Even though what? He's not spending his own money. Ultimately, again, it is the Shaliach, it is Reuben who's spending the money. Now, I will say, the truth is, this case is a bit more complicated because Lamaisa, again, how exactly the mechanics of this work does Shimon, does, so does Reuben, the Shaliach, have to be marking the money? Okay, we're going to leave that on the side. The point I will say is, the Imar is highlighting two different frameworks for Kiddushin. So the first framework is, again, first case is, Rachel says to Ruvain, Ruvain, give a money to Shimon, and I'll become Mikudeshas to you. The Imar says, it works. What's the novelty? What's the novelty? Rachel's not getting anything. Why does it work? Based on the concept of a guarantor of an Arif. Case two, right? Shimon is sending a Shaliach Ruvain to be Mikudesh a woman. Shimon says to Rachel, accept this money and become a Kudeshes to Shimon. Only one issue, which is, Reuven is using his own money. It works, else Evet Kanani. What does Evet Kanani teach us? That you could acquire something even without spending your own money. Right? Because Evet Kanani can be emancipated even if he doesn't spend his own money. Good. Two different paradigms. Gemara says as follows. Next. Next. Teiman Leploni, Vakadish Ani Lo. So we'll say another interesting case. Right? So now, we'll say in this case, in this case, Rachel is saying, give a money to Ploni, right? So Rachel says, Rachel says to Ruvain, give a money to Ploni, and I will become Mikudeshes to him. All right, so in this case, it's actually very interesting. And this actually shouldn't work based on what we've learned before, namely that Halacha so Kiddushin cannot be a, a woman-driven process. But watch how this does work. So watch, so one more time. Rachel is saying to Ruvain, Ruvain, take this mana and give it to Shimon, and I will become Mikudeshes to him. Okay, look at Rashi. So the Gemara says as follows. So Ultimately, this case works, but why does it work? It works both because it's a combination of Evid Kinani or Arev and Evid Kinani. Watch this. Arev. So, right, so an Arev, we'll say, what does Arev tell you? What does Arev tell you? Arif tells you that you could become committed to something even if you get no benefit from it. Right? That's what Arif teaches you. Therefore, in the same way, So in this case, is Rachel getting any benefit? Is she getting any benefit? No. Why? But she's the one furnishing the Kesef Kiddushin. She's the one furnishing the Kesef Kiddushin. So we'll say, so, so fascinating. Arif teaches me that I can become committed to something 
even though I get no benefit from it. We're going to come back to that kind of in just a moment. Right? Furthermore, again, the Yomara says, one second, Mi dami arev, mamona. But I don't understand about say, how could he be compared to a case of an arev? After all, again, in a typical case of the arev, the one who is acquiring, the kakanile, which is the lova, ultimately does lose money. Hai gavra, kakanile, la hai isisa, velo kachasa, velo midi. But at the end of the day, this guy's acquiring a woman, and he, so to speak, and he has not, he's not down any money. He, right? he's, not, he's not deficient in any way. The Yomara says, Evet kinani yochiach, Evet Kenani can prove this point, because there is a case of where an Evet could acquire himself without losing any money, and he acquires something, in this case himself. How can you compare the case? We'll say there, ultimately again, it's the person who is Makna, meaning the Adon, who ultimately again conveys ownership of the Evet to himself, who acquires the money. Right, but in this case, the Rebbe will say it's not comparable. So let's look at the case of guarantor. Even though even though the Arif doesn't get any benefit, the Arif still commits themselves. So Rebbe will say. So again, therefore, that last case, that last case, is not really as conclusive. But I will. So again. The point to keep in mind are these two constructs. The Arev construct, which teaches us that Allah say you could become mishubad to something, committed to something, even if you've received no benefit. And the Evid Kanani concept, which teaches us that you could acquire something even if you have not spent any of your own money. Based on those two paradigms, based on those two paradigms, if Rachel tells Shimon, give a mana to Ruvain and I'll become Mikudashas to him, that works, that's Arev. And similarly, again, if Rachel goes ahead and, uh, right, what was the second case? Right, Helech Mana Leploni Viskachi. Right, go ahead and, go ahead and hey, give, give this Mana to Ploni. And I'll become a Kudeshes that ultimately works out Evet Kanani. Incredible. So, Bai Rava, we'll say two more cases. Bai Rava, Helech Mana Vakadishani Lecha Mahu. So, what about the following case? Take this Mana, take this Mana, and I'll become a Kudeshes to you. What's the Halacha? So, Armar Zotra, Mishmei Dara Papa, Mikudeshes, it works. It works. This is actually very interesting. So in a case, in a case where Rachel says, where Rachel says, ultimately again, <coughs> right, give, give a mana, so one more time. So Rachel says to Ruvain, take this mana, she's giving him the money, take this mana and I'll become the Kudashas to you. So in this case, you just cut out the intermediary. Rachel speaking directly to Ruvain, take this one, become a Kudash Hashti. And I will say, I will point out to you, Rashi, Rashi says, obviously, that won't work to affect Kiddushin, right? Why won't it work to affect Kiddushin? Because that's a female-driven process. So obviously, the way the case has to work is, she gives him the money, and then he says, Hari at Mikudash Hashti because of Zul. Right? In other words, so see, he, he transforms it. Again, the Gemara is leaving that piece out because the Gemara assumes that, of course, we know that. Because if a woman just gives money to a man, that doesn't affect Kiddushin. So again, so just the case is, she's giving him the money, right? Hey, look, mana, hey, look, mana, take this mana. Um, I'm sorry. Right? Hey, look, mana, v'akadashin l'cha. So take this money, I'll become a Kudashas to you. He receives it, and then Rashi points out, she's, he says to her, his kachili b'ka, become a Kudashas to you with this money. But the money's coming from her to him. Good. So the Gemara says, this is very interesting. The Gemara says, Mikudeshes. It works. It works. Now, the Gemara says, say something very interesting. So, if you notice, there are two things happening over here, right? The husband is acquiring two things. What are the two things he's acquiring? Right? Number one? Wani. Number two? A wife. A wife. Now, here's what's interesting. How is he acquiring the wife? Right? right. What are you saying? A win-win. It's a good deal. It's a good deal, right? So, I say, so how is he? Here's what's interesting. The money seems to be what's affecting both of these transactions. Receiving the money, you get the money, and through reception of the money, ultimately, again, it's affecting Kiddushin as well. So the Gemara points out something very interesting over here. He says, how does this really work? This should be a case of Nechassim, Sheyesh Lahem Achrayis, Miknin in Nechassim She'ein Lahem Achrayis. So we'll say, this is very interesting. We know that in the world of property, there's two different types of property. There's Nechassim Sheyesh Lahem Achrayis, which usually refers to real property. Real property. Land, real estate, avadim, versus nechasim she'ilan achrayis, which usually refers to 
movable property. Let's say, by the way, the, the literal translation, Nechasim Shiyesh Lanachrayis means land or property for which there is responsibility. Because generally when you purchase real estate, you purchase it with Achrayis, which means if I buy property from Ruvain and then the property is seized from Ruvain's creditors, by Ruvain's creditors, I'm going to go back to Ruvain to make me whole. That's called Ruvain has Achrayis. So again, so let's say, so in this case over here, this is actually quite interesting. In this case over here, the assumption is the money is nechasim she'en l'nachrayis. Right? It's movable property. A wife is like nechasim she'en l'nachrayis. It's like real property. So the Gemara says it's interesting that what's happening over here, through the mechanism of money, which is nechasim she'en l'nachrayis, you are acquiring what? Nechasim she'en l'nachrayis. And I was saying halacha, that doesn't normally work. In halacha, the reverse is true. Look at Rash. It's, look at the Gemara. The Gemara says, "Va'anon ipchan tinan nechasim she'ein lanachrayis niktim im nechasim sheish lanachrayis bekesef b'shtar u'bechazaka." Now I will say. Now let me, let me just explain this to you outside. This is actually a very pasha case. I will say if I'm buying land from Ruvain. So let's, let's say I want to do this. I, I want to get into farming. I get into farming. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right, the remnants run its course, right? So again, they'll say, so I want to run its course. So what happens? I decide I'm going to buy a farm. I'm going to buy a farm. And I want to buy farming equipment. So there's a tractor. There's, I can't name anything more than a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not cut out for this line of work. But anyway, there's a big tractor, a little tractor, right? A medium-sized tractor. It's all a bunch of tractors, right? So I'll say, so, so what do I do? What do I do? I go over to Ruvain and I say, Ruvain, I want to buy the land. So I said, there's a concept that when you buy real property, you could also acquire movable property along with it. So what I could do is with one Kenyan on the karka, nechasim sheyesh lahem achrayis, I could also acquire the nechasim she'im lanachrayis. By acquiring movable property, real property, I could also acquire real property. Now, the case I was giving you happens to be even an easier case because the movable property is situated on top of the real property. Even if it's not like that, it still works. A kingdom on real property can allow you to acquire movable property as well. But the reverse does not work. The reverse does not work. So in other words, if I were to acquire the tractors, let's say I acquire the tractor, Kesef, right? I give him money, right? Or Chazaka, I go ahead and so I, right? Or Meshicha. So I go ahead and I acquire the tractor. Acquiring the tractor does not allow me to acquire the land. So the Gemara says, this case doesn't make any sense. Rachel goes over to Ruvain. She says, Ruvain, be here. Take this money and I'll become Mikudeshas to you. So the Gemara says, Mikudeshas. So we'll say, this sounds like he's acquiring the money. And by acquiring the money, he's also acquiring the wife. But money is nechasim she'en lanachrayis, like movable property. And a wife, right? A wife would be more considered to be real property. So how does that work? That movable property, so to speak, could acquire real property. Amrale, listen to this. This is incredible. Mi sarvis da amrale agav, agav, I'm sorry. Mi sarvis da amrale agav, hacha ba'adam chashuv askinan, te ba'ahi hanag de kamakabam batonamine, gamra umakangile nafshe. Srebel said, this is incredible. This is a different kind of case. Let's say this is a case where Ruvain is a very chashuv person. Now I will say, often, often at least it was the way the Gemara, chashuv people wouldn't accept matanas. They wouldn't accept gifts, right? Why? Let's say because it was like a shtickle beneath them, right? If you're a chashiv person, you have everything. I don't need a matana from anyone. So therefore, again, an adam chashiv was only accepted matanas from very specific and a select group of people. So the case over here is Rachel is giving Ruvain a mana, and Ruvain ultimately is is is, is an adam chashiv. So she says, "Hey, zu. The Kiddushin is not affected through the money. It's not affected through the money. What is it affected through? The Hanah that she gets by knowing that an Adam Chashuv accepts her gift. Because I'll say again, that type of Hanah, that, that Hanah is, is a quantifiable Hanah. You know, if I become the kind of person that Reuben accepts gifts from, you know, suddenly again, I have a whole entry into a whole bunch of new circles, right? New deals open up, new opportunities work up, open up. That is a, a quantifiable and tangible Hanah. That's the Hanah that she's receiving that she commits herself to when getting married. Incredible. And that's what affects the Kiddushin. Rava says, by the way, all of these halachas that we've learned before also apply, also apply ultimately again 
to din of to, to regular financial transactions. As Rabbi say, the mechanics that we spoke about before, when it comes to Arab, when it comes to Eved Kinani, will work by regular dinah imamras, will work by financial transactions as well. To which the Imara says, Zitzricha. So why do you have to say that it works both by financial transactions as well as by, as well as by um, uh, Kiddushin? Yeshua in Kiddushin, if you would have just said Kiddushin, Mishum Dahai Isisa Necha Lebecholduhu Kiddush Lakish. So I'll say, I would have thought that, we'll say, let, let's take a step back. See, here's what, one more time, one more time. What's the takeaway over here? So what we've been introduced to, I will say, is that up until now, I mean, we haven't been learning Kiddushin for all that long, but in the last couple of days, if, if, you, if someone were to ask you, what is like the most immutable, unchangeable law of Kiddushin? You would have said, in order for Kiddushin to be affected, what has to happen? What has to happen? The woman has to receive something from the man. Kasev, Shtar, Biyabit has to receive something tangible. What we're introduced to in today's daf is that is not necessarily true, or that tangibility could look different ways. Namely, that you could affect kiddushin using the mechanism of arif. So, what's the mechanism of arif? Ultimately, again, right? Rachel says to Ruvain, "Give a mana to Shimon, and I'll become mikudeshes to Shimon. I'll become mikudeshes to you. I shall become mikudeshes to you based on that, based on that, based on that money that you give. How does that work? That's arif." Right? Arif tells us that you could become committed to something, even if what? Even if what? You have received nothing tangible in return. Case number two. Case number two. Uh, what was case number two? Heilich is kachi Sorry, right? Case number two. Case number two ultimately was, go ahead. Right? Go ahead and heilich is kachi leploni. This was the case of where, remember Shimon, or I keep mixing up the names, Ruvain is acting as a shaliyah for Shimon to Mekadish Rachel, right? But Ruvain ends up using his own money instead of Shimon's money. That works. Why does that work? Why does that work? Evet Kanani. Evet Kanani could acquire himself even though what? He has not received anything of benefit. So so now what the Gemara is saying over here is that Halach Halamaisa, these concepts work for Kiddushin and work for other financial transactions as well. Sigmar says, okay, why do you need to say that? Sigmar says, because if, had you not said it, I would have thought it just works for Kiddushin. Why does it work for Kiddushin? Well, because in general, for Kiddushin, a woman doesn't need all that much to commit to marriage. Now, what, what, what does that mean? Right? So, so the Gemar says, listen to this. Tav tandu armala. Ultimately, again, it, for, from a woman's perspective, it is better to be married with someone than to be alone. To be alone, Rashi says over here. Right, she says tandu begufim shnayim balveish tov. I feel eino la ella letzeves baalma. So we'll say. So again, some level of companionship is better than is better than is better than being alone. They both say it's actually interesting because if you notice, we have like competing motifs in Chazal. Because last week we learned, last week we learned that it's the man who runs after the woman in order to affect Kiddushin, which sounds like man needs marriage much more than woman. And again, in Ksuvis, we saw ways in which Chazal to incentivize women getting married. But yet, interestingly enough, here you have Rish Lakish saying that a woman would prefer even marrying someone who she's not that crazy about, but just in order to have companionship, then ultimately, again, to be alone. You know, it reminds me of the famous Mamar Chazal. Right, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Right, so I say so. So lemaisa, so lemaisa, again, which I will say is an incredible, incredible yisod. So the Gemara says. So therefore, I would have thought maybe arev eved kenani. Maybe that works for kiddushin because lemaisa again in kiddushin anyway. A woman is pretty much ready to commit as long as the guy is normal, as long as the guy is somewhat stable. You know, so maybe she'd be willing to, to commit even for lesser amounts. And that's when you could use the mechanisms of Eved or of Arev. Maybe not by financial transactions. Maybe financial transactions really require the real conveyance of Hanoa. Because in general, money could be forgiven, right? Financial transactions, money. Money can be forgiven. Aval kiddushin emolo, and by kiddushin not. Therefore, tzuricha. Therefore, we'll say you need both. You need both. You need both cases. Therefore, we'll say we emerge with this with really four concepts. Number one, the concept of arif that Allah Kalamaisa, you could commit yourself to something even though you've received no benefit. Number two, that you could acquire something even if you have not given away any funds. Right. Number three, that these concepts apply both to kiddushin as well as to mamon. And number four, which is also interesting, I'll say is. That a woman could become a kudeshes if she receives non tangible hana. 
right? Not, what was the case of non-tangible Hanal? Where she's giving money to Ruvain, Ruvain is an Adam Chashuv. What's the non-tangible Hanal? That an Adam Chashuv is accepting my gift, right? That's enough, that's change of status, is enough for her to commit herself as well. Incredible. Well, say, I'll just, I'll just mention this idea. I'll just mention that it's fascinating that the way the Gemara describes an Arev, a guarantor, is an Arev is someone, even though a person receives no benefit, they commit themselves. So I was thinking about this concept a little bit last night, and this idea, you know, we have a concept of Arev also, or a concept of Arvos, Kol Yisrael Arevin, either Zeboze or Zeloze, different Gersos, a concept of mutual responsibility. The Din of Arvus says that as a Klal, as a people, we are responsible for one another. And I will say this court, I, I, this line was incredible. What does it mean to be an Arif? To be responsible for each other means, even if you don't get any benefit through your Arvus for another Jew, you're still Meshabbing yourself. And sometimes we will say, you know, in, our, in relationships, we're often very like utilitarian. And before we invest in a relationship, we're going to like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? But there are certain types of relationships in life that have to be selfless relationships. That it's not about what's in it for me, but it's about the fact that I'm committed to this, even if I can't recognize any tangible benefit. What does it mean to be part of Klal Yisrael? What does it mean, Klal Yisrael, Arevim Zebazeh? What does that mean? It means I am an Arev for you, and you are an Arev for me. And what does it mean to be mutually responsible for one another? Even if you get no benefit from that arvus or no perceived benefit from being responsible for your fellow Jew, I'm still committed. I'm still going to say that's what it means to be an arev. That's what it means to be responsible for. Even if you can't recognize any tangible benefit, we are still all responsible. We're still on the shabbat towards one another. Incredible. Let's go back there. Says the Gemara. Amar We'll say first white line. Great cases here. His kachi lechatzei. So we'll say, listen to this. A man says to a woman, "Become mikudeshes to half of me." Right. So this is Ruvain saying to Rachel, "Right, become mikudeshes to half of me." Okay, mikudeshes. It works. It works. Chatzyeich mikudeshesli. If Ruvain says to Rachel, "I'm being mikudesh half of you," ain't mikudeshes. It doesn't work. I'm not by the Rava. I don't stand. Maishna chatziacha mikudeshesli. Dana Mikudashas. So I'll say, so Rabbi, so Rabbi says, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why is it that if he says, half of me, right, the Fruvain says, half of me is, is Mikudashas to you, or half of me is marrying you, it works. But if he marries half of her, it doesn't work. It's so very simple. Isha. Uh, Isha. Because the Torah says a man can marry a woman, not half a woman. Right? Either in or you're out. Either in or you're out. You can't marry half a woman. Either a whole woman or none. Right, we'll see on the other hand, okay, so same thing. You can't marry half a man either. So what's the pshat? I'm really listening to this. So remember again, a woman can't marry two men. Technically speaking, on a biblical level, a man can marry two women. This is what he means to say to her. So I said, it's fascinating. So ultimately, again, when Ruvain says to Rachel, when Ruvain says to Rachel, become Ikudeshis to half of me, that's another way of saying what? Another way of saying what? I may marry additional women. Uh, Rachel should run, right? But <laughs> right? Right? I may marry, I may marry additional women. Right? That's what he's saying. As opposed to when he says to her, I'm being Makadish half of you, there's no such construct like that. Rachel cannot marry two men. She can't marry two men. So Lemaisa again, Lemaisa, Lemaisa, it does not work. So fascinating, a fascinating distinction. So we'll say it's fascinating. I don't understand. Now says, even when he says to her, even if Ruben says to Rachel, listen, Rachel, half of you should become Mikudashas to me, it should work. We'll say, watch, it's fascinating. Bless you. Why should it work? Why should it work? Because once he's Makadesh part of her, essentially we'll say, what should occur? The kedushin should spread to the rest of her. Now, what's the mechanics? That this is incredible. Tanya, do we not learn? ola. If a person goes over to an animal and he says the leg of this animal is an ola, they will say now, technically speaking, an ola is an animal, right? A whole animal. But in this case, all he's doing is he's being makadesh a leg. The leg of this animal should be an ola. What's that lacha? Kula ola. 
the entire animal becomes an ola. Vafilu lemanda amra in kula ola. Rabbi say because the kedusha spreads. Once you make kadesh a leg, it spreads to the rest of the animal. Rabbi say now interestingly enough. Even according to the opinion that says, no, if you're Makadesh Aleg, it doesn't spread to the rest of the animal. That's, that's only if you consecrated a part of the animal that the animal could live without. But I will say, if you're Makdish, a part of the animal that the animal cannot live without, then what? Then what? Then Lamaisa, everyone agrees that the entire animal is hectish. So for example, if you go over to an animal and you say, Rosh, right? Rosh, the head of this animal should be an Ola. Everyone agrees with us say, what happens? What happens? The Kiddusha spreads the entire animal. So we're just asking over here, when a man is Mekadesh, half a woman. Right? Ruben goes over to Rachel and says, half of you should become Kiddusha to me. I will say, <coughs> half of a person is what we would call an Eber Shanashama Tuluyabo. Right? Life is dependent on having at least having your body. So Lemaisa again, Lemaisa, why not go ahead and say, once he's Mekadesh, half of her, then what? Then what? The kiddushin spreads to the rest of her, to which the gemara says, "Me, dummy, how can you compare the cases?" I'll say it's not exactly a good comparison. Why isn't it a good comparison? Because lemaisa, lemaisa, one is talking about an animal, and one is talking about a person with das. To which the gemara says, "Halo dami This could be compared to the following case: If you have an animal that belongs to two partners, Reuven and Shimon own an animal in partnership. Now what happened? So I say, so imagine for a moment, Ruvain was Makdish, his half. His half. So I say, then what happens? Then Ruvain buys out Shimon. And then Ruvain is Makdish, what was Shimon's half. So I say, what's the status of the animal? What's the status? Kidusha Kreva. So the Allah, as I say, ultimately, again, it has Hekdish, but it only has financial sanctity. It does not have physical sanctity, therefore it can never be offered up as a carbon. But we'll say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, Hello, Damya, So the point over here is what do you see from this case? Here you have two people owning an animal jointly, Reuben and Shimon. Reuben is Makdish, his part. Shimon was not Makdish, his part. So you have an animal that's partially consecrated. The fact that later on Reuben goes, goes ahead and buys out Shimon, and now is Makdish, the other part, that's fine. So now it's fully Kodesh, but it never attains the level of physical sanctity. And most what it becomes is, is financial sanctity. Right? Kiddush has damim. And therefore, as a result, ultimately it's Kadosh, but it can't be offered up. It could be, you could create a tmura. Remember, if you exchange for another animal, it creates a tmura. And ultimately, again, it's tmura has the same status, ultimately, again, of the animal itself. Now, both say, now pause here for just a moment. For our purposes, again, what does this show you? So this shows you, both say, that when there is, see, there's two cases. The case of a person who is makdish, let's say the head of an animal. Let's go with the head because everyone agrees in that case. So everyone agrees, if you're makdish the head of a sheep, Right for an ola, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? The entire animal is consecrated, right? So therefore, yet, yet, contrast that, contrast that with the case of an animal owned by Reuben and Shimon, and Reuben is makdish his half, and Shimon is not makdish his half. Even if Reuben consequently, even if subsequently buys out Shimon and consecrates the other half, it never attains financial sanctity. What do you see from here? That when there is intellect, when there's das involved, when there's das involved. There's that's involved, so Kiddusha doesn't automatically spread. That's what I, so, so to just to kind of circle back, when Ruben says to Rachel, half of you should become Mikudeshas to me, so as much as we wanted to say that Kiddusha should just spread, that doesn't happen in a situation where there's Das. Spreading of Kiddusha only happens when ultimately, again, there's no Das. And therefore, Ruben says to Rachel, half of you is Mikudeshas to me. What's Dalacha? What's Dalacha? It doesn't work. I'll, say, I'll just point out something very interesting over here. That there's two incredible concepts that come out of this. Just that number one, I will say, you see that in the world of Kiddusha, just going back to the animal for just a moment, that there's, there's an opinion that says that if you're Makdish, the leg of an animal, that Kiddusha automatically spreads to the rest of the animal. But you know, say, it tells you something amazing. That in the world of Kiddusha, all you need to do sometimes in life to get on the right path towards the actualization of Kiddusha is something. 
You don't have to do something dramatic. You don't have to do something heroic. You don't have to do something amazing. Sometimes all you need to do is just a little act of Kiddush, like get your pinky toe Kaddish. Just get, just endow your life, endow, imbue yourself with some level of Kiddusha. And the way Kiddusha works is that Kiddusha goes ahead and spreads. But I will say, you know what sometimes prevents Kiddusha from spreading? This is probably, you know, what prevents Kiddusha from spreading? Das. Sometimes we overthink things. Sometimes they say, come on, I'm so broken, I'm so this, I'm so impaired, I'm so handicapped, I, I'm, it's, it's never going to work. How could one little act of Kiddusha go ahead and really spread throughout my entirety? Sometimes it's Das, which impairs and impedes the spreading of Kiddusha. Sometimes they're about saying Ruchnius. What a person has to do is dispense with the Das and just do. Just plot yourself on a trajectory of growth. Just start doing good things. And also, parallel-wise, stop doing bad things. Right? Just get your leg Kaddish. Just endow and imbue yourself with a little bit of Kiddusha. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Put the dust to the side. Endow yourself with a bit of Kiddusha. And something amazing happens, which is the Kiddusha spreads. And before you know it, before you know it, you're Kula Kaddish. Incredible. Shnami Klas says Gimara. We learn three things from here. Amidays, Amidays. Number one, Shlamina, Balechai Nitchim. That was said, it's actually very interesting. Balechai Nitchim, that means that sometimes what we learn is that sometimes, Nitchim means set aside. Set aside. When something is initially set aside, it remains set aside. So, for example, in this case over here, in the case of the animal owned by two partners, once the animal could not attain full physical sanctity, because it was only partially sanctified, it remains Nitchim. It remains unable to go ahead and achieve a level of physical sanctity. So we learn that when something is initially set aside, it retains that status even if circumstances change. And lastly, I will say finally what we learn is that the concept of something set aside, being unable to go ahead and reach a certain status, applies even to items that only have financial sanctity. So three incredible lessons. Incredible, incredible. Fine, let's go back there. Bye, Rabba. So we'll say, here we go. Some interesting, some more interesting cases. Zayn Rebbe's 7b, two lines down. Bye, Rabba, or now three lines down. Chatziyech b'chatzi pruta. Mao. So Rabba says, an interesting case. Ruven says to Rachel, Rachel, I want to acquire half of you with half of pruta and the other half of you with another half of pruta. Okay, I don't know, I was thinking about this, like, where did this come up? Uh, you know, I will say, sometimes, you know, a man wants to impress a woman that he's learning, that he's a bantora, he's been sitting, he's going to shear every day, right? See, so he throws one of these gemaras out at her, yeah, don't do it, just say, will you marry me? Anyway, the rest says, follows. So, right, so, but in this case over here, he says, so, I want to betroth half of you with half a pruta, and half of you with half a pruta, so does it work? Now, kevan gamala chatsi pruta pasca, so what's interesting, do we look at both of these statements kind of individually? Now, if we look at them individually, then what has he done? What is, what is he trying to do? He's trying to affect some level of Kiddush with half a pruta. Now, I will say, can you affect Kiddush with half a pruta? No, that's the first Mishnah. Of course not. Of course not. So therefore, I will say, if we look at these statements individually, then of course, halacha lamaisa, they're meaningless. They're meaningless because you cannot go ahead and, you cannot go ahead and be mekadish, a woman with half a pruta. Odilma. Mona the or maybe we look at them and say, no, we don't look at the st- we don't look at the statements individually. Rather, we look at them what in continuity, right? That what is he doing? It's a whole speech. It's a whole speech. Half of you for half a pruta, the other half of you for the other half of pruta. So the mice again, holy chamorimosa means we look at the two parts of the speech as one as one cohesive verbal unit, and therefore it should work. In Timsalamana the holy say if you say mona the holy, so therefore. We look at both of those statements as one cohesive verbal unit. Listen to this. What if he says to her, I want to make half of you with a pruta and half of you with a pruta? Does that work? So we'll say, so do we say that again, since he said a pruta, then obviously again these statements are to be reckoned individually. Reckon individually, and therefore, going to both say, now it still won't work. Why won't it work? Because even though he's using the right unit of currency, he's using, he's saying what yeah. half of you, and that doesn't work. Oh, doma, kol biomei mona And I will say, maybe we say in general anything he says over the course of a day 
his motive aholech. Let's say ultimately again it's all part of the same verbal unit. So let's say it's the same. It's the same from the question when a person is making two statements. So do we look? And obviously both statements are are directed at kedushin. Do we look at the statements individually or do we look at them collectively? That's the fundamental question. <laughs> so if you want to say that ultimately anything said over a course of a day is considered to be like one cohesive verbal unit, Okay. If he says to her, I want to be Kaddish half of you with a pruta today and half of you with a pruta tomorrow. Paska. So then we say, look, once you're getting into multiple days, then no, we can't look at that as one cohesive verbal unit. Therefore, it's two different statements. And I will say, in this case over here, as much as you've got the unit of currency right, you can't be Mekadish half a woman. And therefore, it's not going to work. Maybe this is what it means to say to her. Maybe what it means to her is saying like this, I'm starting a process. Starting a process. And the process begins today. The process begins today. And it will conclude tomorrow. And therefore, perhaps, even though it's spanning two days, Lamaise should be one cohesive rebel unit. Okay, next question. What happens if he says to her, I want to be Kaddish, both of your halves with one pruta? Okay, interesting case, right? Two halves, two halves with one pruta. Now, now, what's the nice part of this? What's the nice part? The nice part is, <laughs> excuse me, the nice part is, ultimately, again, it is, right, there is one statement, right? So that's good. So let's say, let, let's talk about what we have going for us. It's always good to start with what you have going for you, right? So what do we have going for us? Number one, one statement at one time. Number two, what else do you have going for you? Correct unit of currency. What's working against us? Halves. Shnei so now, here, he's making both statements at once. Also, on the other hand, he's talking about being Mekadish halves. And you can't be Mekadish half a woman at all, and therefore it should not work. To which the Gemara answers, Teiku. So also, by the way, that Teiku is on everything. Right? That Teiku is on everything. Now, whenever you have a Teiku, in any of these cases of Kiddushin, the result ultimately again is going to be suffering, suffering mikudeshas, which is always, which is, which is incredibly problematic. Okay, let's go back to says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Why, Rabbi? Listen to this. This is a fascinating case. Most imagine the following situation: Reuven has two sons. Reuven has two sons. His sons have appointed him to be the shaliach to accept Kiddushan on their behalf. Shimon has two daughters. And let's go with the idea, just that we can even keep it easy, like Rashi points this out, Shimon's daughters are minors. And therefore, again, Shimon has the biblical right to marry off, to marry off his minor daughters. So what happens? So Reuven comes over to Shimon and he says, listen, here's the deal. Uh, might let your two daughters become Kudeshas to my two sons, and here's a pruta. One pruta. So now, does it work? Do we say Basr knows in the Kabbalah's Linan by Ikamamona? Oh, Dilma, Basr Dida as Linan, Bahalaka. Sarabo said, This is fascinating. Do we look at the transaction of Kiddushin through the lens of the people affecting the transaction? Or is it through the parties who are getting married? Sarabo said, So, what's the Nafkamina? What's the Nafkamina? If it's about the parties affecting the transaction, there's one father of the grooms, one father of the brides. In which case, one can make the argument that what? Maybe one pruta should work. On the other hand, if it's about the couples, there are two couples. And if there are two couples, each couple is going to require its own pruta. Fascinating. Which the Gemara says, Teiku. We'll say, I want to tell you like this. Another, the Gemara's like this are another reason to dive an extra heart for Mashiach. I will say, right? It's so frustrating to not know what to do in these cases and how beautiful it's going to be when Eliyahu comes. And of course, you can imagine everyone's going to rush towards him. We'll, we'll get him as a scholar residence in Yeretz Hashem. You know, and, and, and again, we'll, we'll, carve out, we'll carve out a couple, right? The weekend of Eliyahu Hanavi, right? There's going to be no problem getting sponsorships for that, by the way. I have, I have no, no, right? And I'll say, can you imagine again, all we're going to do is just page after page, go through all the tekus, and Eliyahu is going to give us clarity on all of this. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. So Mark goes by to says, another teku. Bye, Rav Papa. Bitchol paraskla pruta. Okay, this is an interesting one. Right? So Reuven goes over, Reuven goes over to Shimon, and Reuven says to Shimon, here's the deal. 
I'd like to marry your daughter and get your cow. No, right, get your cow. And here's a pruta. Here's a pruta for both. Mahu. So we'll say, what is Ruvain saying? Is Ruvain saying, here's a half a pruta for your daughter, half a pruta for your cow? Or maybe no. In other words, what he's saying is, here's the pruta to affect Kiddushin with your daughter. And, and no, no, the cow will do through Mashiach. In other words, the cow has nothing to do with the pruta. Tushin Gemara says, take we'll say, So it's also an incredible yisod, which is, what do you see? What do you see from all these cases? So what you, what you begin to see, what you begin to see is when you speak in ambiguous ways, no one knows what you're saying. And I will say, specifically in the world of relationships, it is so important to be able to say what you mean. Right? How, mu- how much relationship friction is created because right, sometimes a spouse feels like you should know what I need or know what I want even if I don't say it. Right? People feel like, what's the sign of a good marriage? that you can intuitively know what your wife needs, what your husband needs, even if they never say it. I don't know, like, unless you have like an Urim Vitumim, right, walking around with you, right? You cannot know what anyone wants or needs unless they tell you. I would say, here's the incredible part. In most good, healthy, loving marriages, if one spouse tells the other what they need, the other spouse is gonna come through. But if you expect your spouse to be a Navi, then the mice nine out of 10 times, they're gonna fail you. Because no one could really ever know what's in your heart. No one could really ever know what it's... But if you say it, so we'll say that, that's the most haskel in these statements. When you're ambiguous, when you're ambiguous, and it's not clear what you're saying, no one knows what you're talking about. The halacha doesn't know what you're talking about. And if Chazal can't figure out what you mean, it leaves off of the teiku, then of course, again, we're not going to know what each other means or our spouses mean if we're not explicit with what it is that we need in the context of a relationship. Such an important episode. Anyway, let's go back there. So by Ravashi, right? Bitcha pruta mal. Same idea. Ruven goes over to Shimon. Shimon here's a pruta for your daughter and land. Bitcha mal. It was, what is going on over here? Is he giving a half a pruta for the girl, half for the daughter, half a pruta for the land? Or maybe the pruta is for the daughter and the karka is going to be acquired through chazaka. So teku. Again, I will say, all these cases teku. Another case. This is a really interesting case. Actually, we're going to delve into this sugi a lot because it's quite fascinating. A man goes ahead and a man goes ahead and is Mekadish, a woman with Shirayim. Now I say, Shirai, Shirai are silk. It's silk. He gives her silk. So what's Talacha? Rabbi Amr Lotzvichi Shuma. Rabbi says, the truth is, there, you don't need a valuation. Uh, is that the right word, valuate? No, yeah, evaluate, appraisal. Appraisal. Right? You don't need to have the, the, the silk appraised. And I will say, now, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? Look at Rashi. Lotzvichi Shuma. Shuma Osan. So I say, ultimately, again, we don't need it appraised. Now, the Pashas, why don't you need it appraised? Because it's clear that what? It's clear that what? It's worth more than a pruta. Okay, Rav Yosef says, no, it needs an appraisal. So the Gemara says, So what's the case? So I understand. If Rav says to Rachel, become kudeshes to me with any amount, i.e., just a pruta, so then everyone should agree that it doesn't require an appraisal because obviously, obviously what? Obviously the silk is worth more than a pruta. If he said become, become, uh, become a kudash to me, you know, with uh, 50, 50 silver pieces, whatever, right? 50. Below shavu chamshin, if the silk is not worth 50, halo shavu, then it's not worth anything and obviously the kiddushin doesn't work. So keep you know, say, what's the case? So what's very interesting. The case over here is where Ruven gives Rachel a piece of silk. And he says, Become Kudashas to me with the value of 50 silver pieces. Right? He gives her the silk. Now it happens to be the silk was worth 50 silver pieces, but there was never an official appraisal beforehand. So watch this. Rabba Amar Lotsri Hishuma. Rabba says it doesn't need an appraisal. Why not? We're good to go. He said 50 and it's worth 50. Rabbi Yosef Amar Tsri Hishuma. Rabbi Yosef said, No, it requires a Shuma. Why? Kevan de Isisa Lav Bikia Bishuma. Since ultimately, again, a woman is not necessarily well versed in appraisals, lo samchadaita. She may not. She may think, I will say that what? Maybe the silk is not worth fifty, and therefore doesn't really commit herself to the marriage. So I will say. So a very interesting idea over here, and this this gets into. So again, so this. So according to this first version of the machlokas, 
Reuven is saying to Rachel, become Mikudeshes to me with the value of uh, 50 silver pieces. And what does he do? He doesn't give her silver, he gives her silk. And it happens to be the silk was worth 50 silver pieces, but there was never an official appraisal. So now Rabbah says, we're good. He said, he said 50, it's worth 50. Rav Yosef says, we're not good. We're not good, I'll tell you why. Because I will say, she may not know how much the silk is worth. And she may assume that what? That the silk is actually worth less, less than 50 silver pieces. And therefore, as a result, she doesn't commit herself to Kiddushin. Therefore, essentially what Rav Yosef is going to say is that if you're going to use a physical object to go ahead and actually affect Kiddushin, there must be a formal appraisal before that is used. Ikedami, an alternate version of this, the do nami pligi. We'll see. No, we'll stop over. We'll pick up with this tomorrow, Mir Hashem. We'll say what I will. Also, what I will mention is something very interesting. You know this. I saw this by my, by my daughter's-in-law. This is not our family. You know that that in the in the two mishpachos that my that my boys married into, the minog there was that the the kala wears what a very thick a very thick veil that you can't see out of. In our family, that's not the minog. So it was interesting. Where, where does that minog come from? To wear a very thick veil that you can't see out of. It actually comes from the skimara. We don't want the kala to see the ring, right? Why? Don't understand why. Because it's right, part of it. Because the concern is the concern is that halacha lemaisa. If she thinks it's valued as something, but it's really valued at something else, it could be a problem with the kiddushin. So again, so obviously she sees when it goes on her finger. But lemaisa again. That's, there's other origins for the minag. It's a minag. It's a minag. Other origins as well, but comes from this a concern. That's why I will say. Even under the chuppah, we ask the chassan, right? Is the ring worth at least the pruta? Right? We don't ask him, by the way, how much did you pay for the ring? Right? Right? Like, like Jews, right? How, how much you get that for? How much you get that for, right? right? We, we, we don't do that. Dafka, we don't want to know how much he got it for. We, we don't want to know that. All we want to know, and all we want the kala to know, is that it was worth at least a pruta. That's the only piece of information that's important for us, because that way we know she's entering into this relationship based on the valuation of a pruta and no more. Because once you get into items that have a greater value, you have an issue of she thinks it's one thing, it's always something different, you have a fundamental problem with the condition. Rabbi say, so again, we're kind of stopping off in the middle of this suya, and we to be continuing to Rabbi say, such a slos to begin the week with all of you. Shkayach. All right, Chabron Zoom, have a great day, everyone.